It all started with a lawnmower, a skateboard, a women's clothing magazine, and a set of flip-flops. Hello, this is Morgan, and welcome to another edition of the Become Good Soil podcast. The first disruption. Years ago, my family and I were headed over to a relatively new friend's house for dinner. As we pulled in, I found my buddy cutting his grass on a riding lawnmower. The scene would have been a normal one, except for one thing. The way my friend was cutting the grass. Instead of tidy rows, he was making big sweeping and swirling circles with his mower, cutting his front yard into some wild display. I racked my brain to figure out what was going on. Had he drank a bunch of beers before I got here in anticipation of our arrival? I could not figure out what was behind this. Furthermore, the design he was cutting in his front yard looked really cool, and his big grin made it even more perplexing. He's an older man, a mentor, and part of me was embarrassed to even ask. Yet, I've learned something in this decade of excavations. Questions lead to treasures, and good risks are worth taking. What are you doing? I asked with a bit of awkwardness. He responded with a big smile. I'm playing. I was floored. Try as I might, I could not find a file folder inside of me for his response. I'm playing? I simply had no category. I mean, this man is the CEO of a big company. If I don't have time to play, he doesn't have time. I stood perplexed. This was several years ago, and in that moment, Jesus was pulling yet another string to unravel me. The second disruption. My wife is a holy yoga instructor and a prana ambassador, so for many years we've received a monthly clothing catalog from prana. The pictures change, but the scenes are almost always the same, depicting men and women playing together. In the summer, they're drawing pictures in the sand. In the winter, they're whimsically throwing snowballs at each other. And for years, my internal reaction to the men in these catalogs was the same. Get a job. I mean, let's be honest. Who has time to draw pictures in the sand? I sure don't. Or better said, I didn't. Of course. A wise man once said to me, problems in the world reveal problems in us. My curt and pissed response to these pictures reveal some subterranean convictions I have that equate worth with productivity. Deeper still, those catalogs are reminding us of something. Prana knows what they are doing when they stage those photo shoots. They use those images because they work to sell clothing. They work to sell their clothing. What they have learned is that there is something very attractive to a woman about a man who is willing to play. Or better said, a man who is capable of playing. And that was not me, at least not back then. The third disruption. It came while reading Unbroken, 
Laura Hillenbrand's remarkable survival story of Louis Zamperini, a World War II pilot shot down in the Pacific. He survived four months floating in a life raft, only to be captured by Japanese soldiers and tortured for years as a prisoner of war. In this harrowing story, Louis is finally set free, only to find that the prison he inhabits within his heart and mind has become more wretched than the cell bars ever were. At the end of his story, and in the twilight years of his life, he comes to know Jesus in a real and intimate way. And then, in this remarkable book, comes a picture that disrupted me more than any other part of his story. Louis took up skateboarding as a hobby at 81 years old. There's this brilliant picture of Louis skateboarding at 81 in Unbroken. The joy on his face was piercing in spite of all the pain, all the loss, all the terror. Louis found a life in the heart of God that was so deep he was able to not only live, but to play. I've sat at the feet of some 75 older men over the last decade to discover the gold of what it looks like to live, to really live in this decade of becoming good soil. Through so many men's stories, one of the consistent themes is play. One man said, I wish I would have played more and found joy in all of it. Another said, I wish I would have worried less and played more, especially with my kids and my wife. Another man said, joy could have been my accelerator, my fuel. There was so much joy for the taking that I missed. Craig put to words one of the many paradoxes that this treasure hunt has unearthed. He said, we play an irreplaceable role in the larger story and don't take ourselves too seriously. There is wisdom to be mined in the footprints on this ancient path, this tried and true road. Researcher Brene Brown also unearthed the centrality of play. After over a decade of research and interviews with thousands of people, she writes this, I learned how things that I take for granted, like rest and play, are as vital to our health as nutrition and exercise. In her remarkable book on wholehearted living, The Gift of Imperfection, Brene cites Dr. Stuart Brown, a renowned researcher and founder of the National Institute of Play. Now that's a paradox. Kind of sounds like the vice president of Twinkies and Candy Bars at Weight Watchers. Brown explains that play shapes our brain. It helps foster empathy on a cellular level. It helps us navigate complex social groups and is, at its core, creativity and innovation. In all of his research on play, one of the fundamental properties Brown determined is that it is apparently purposeless. Basically, this means that we play for the sake of play. We do it because it's fun and we want to. So I bought a pair of flip-flops. I had to start somewhere. I mean, for years, guys that wore flip-flops always bugged me. You can't do much of anything in flip-flops. But that is exactly the point. Father was after that mistaken conviction 
that my worth was equal to my productivity. He was excavating yet another layer of my life in which I was hustling for worthiness outside of his love. It's harder than it sounds, exposing, risky, as Brene Brown observes of our Western culture. Spending time doing purposeless activity is rare. In fact, for many of us, it sounds like an anxiety attack waiting to happen. But there is gold to be found if we would risk an expedition into unknown territory. Our capacity to play, to laugh, to chillax, and enjoy while being present is directly proportional to what we have come to believe about the heart of God. Let me say that again. Our capacity to play, to laugh, to chillax, to enjoy while being present is directly proportional to what we have come to believe about the heart of God. As I've been trying it on for a good number of years now, and better still, beginning to believe in the centrality of play in God's story, I'm seeing it more and more. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. He writes in Ecclesiastes that there is a time for every activity under heaven, and that God has made everything beautiful in his time. He goes on to say that there's a time to laugh and a time to cheer. Later, he urges us, on a good day, enjoy yourself. Solomon comes to a crescendo with this urging, seize life, eat bread with gusto, drink wine with a robust heart. Oh, yes, God takes pleasure in your pleasure. Dress festively every morning. Don't skimp on colors or scarves. Relish life with the spouse you love. Each and every day of your precarious life, each day is God's gift. It's all you get in exchange for the hard work of staying alive. Make the most of each one. Whatever turns up, grab it and do it, and heartily. So what's frontier for you in this? For me, it literally started with the wholly defiant act of buying flip-flops as an act of faith, and it's grown from there. We recently took a trip back east. As I was praying, asking God for advance words to orient my trip, he simply said this, I want you to play. Coming off of three intense months of back-to-back missions, I was nearly disoriented by the council. Yet it was exactly what I needed, and I would have missed it had I not asked and believed that play is central to our salvation. And so it was a week of drawing sidewalk chalk with my kids, laughing hysterically on roller coasters, campfires, s'mores, and fireworks, chasing after lightning bugs, swimming in games, bike riding through puddles, ice cream, getting muddy, and more. Play has opened up a whole new place in my heart and in my parenting, and through it, a whole new slice of the kingdom and of God's heart. Play is finding its way into the fabric of our family culture and into my daily life. I'm learning to laugh more and more. We pack this fart machine as an essential item when we travel. And a little note here, be careful when you take it as a carry-on because a fart machine looks exactly like a bomb when it goes through security. We've learned that the hard way. We once baked a Cornish hen inside the Thanksgiving turkey as a pregnant surprise to be pulled out for the young kids in vicinity. 
a buddy of mine sent me these Joy Bomb socks. They are ugly, bright green socks with yellow bumblebee-looking Joy Bombs. And for my personality, these were appalling. And yet, I find myself wearing them all the time just to play, to seize joy, to laugh at myself more, and to not take life so damn seriously. We practice crazy made-up dance moves while doing the dishes or jumping on the trampoline most nights after dinner. I'm always seeking out bike trails with wildly fun downhills that make me feel like a kid again. I do a headstand on my birthday every year. One of my buddies and I dust off really bad rap songs from the 80s and trade playlists regularly. More than anything, I'm just learning how to play, how to relax, how to enjoy and not take myself so seriously. I'm recovering some lost aspect of the gospel, at least lost to me. Play is exposing in me the places that I have yet to know a God that lavishes his love and affection upon me just as I am. To play is to respond to the offer of God on one of the deepest levels. As Norm McLean puts it, agony and hilarity are necessary for salvation. So what might it look like for you? James Michener says it this way, The master in the art of living makes little distinction between his work and his play, his labor and his leisure, his mind and his body, his information and his recreation, his love and his faith. He hardly knows which is which. He simply pursues with vision whatever he does, leaving others to decide whether he is working or playing. To him, he's always doing both. You can hear the invitation of the words of Jesus to his close friends, some invitation to exhale, to rest, to live lightly, to receive grace, and to play. He says in these words, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So how will you play this summer? How will you start today? Maybe trying a headstand. Maybe leaving work early, meeting a buddy for happy hour, and peppering him with questions that elicit those hilarious stories. Maybe it may just start with the simple and heroic act of buying a set of flip-flops. Just maybe, through these pulses of play, we will all come to know that play was his idea and is beautifully and graciously necessary for our salvation. I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Become Good Soil podcast. If you want to dig deeper into this kingdom category of play, we've put together other resources for your exploration. If you go to becomegoodsoil.com, 
forward slash flip-flops. You'll find all sorts of resources. You'll find a transcript of this podcast, books, resources, other podcasts, all intended for you to go on pilgrimage, to walk into the spiritual frontier of your masculine soul and really go with God with this question of what does it mean to play in kingdom living? We'll see you soon on another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. Mm-hmm.